Hey, potential podcast listeners, let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician, and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. And Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So, if you want to avoid an uncomfortable office visit or prefer the convenience and get tested at home, visit trylgc.com potential and get 25% off your test using code POTENTIAL25. Once again, that's 25% off your test by going to trylgc.com potential using the promo code POTENTIAL25. Take charge of your physical health and well-being and let's get checked. This episode is a sponsored partnership by Keen. So, you finally decided that you want to seek psychic advice. But now you're just sitting there and you're asking yourself, why Keen? Shouldn't I just look into psychics near me? It would probably be a lot easier. Our response? Why would you? Keen connects you with talented tarot readers and astrologers. If you want to get a reading on Keen, it's super easy to start. They've been giving trustworthy readings since 1999, over 35 million to be exact. All you have to do is create an account, and you'll be able to choose from hundreds of readers who are online right now. These readers each have unique specialties designed to provide a deeper understanding of your situation. Want to learn more about your love life? What's your financial future look like? Are you looking for a closure from a deceased loved one? Keen has a reader ready to provide clarity and insight. You can choose whichever reader best suits your needs, and you'll be able to connect via phone call or text. Just go to trykeen.com potential. As a new customer on Keen, you can try your first 10 minutes for only $1.99, which is up to $99 in savings. Once again, that's trykeen.com potential. Get your first 10 minutes for $1.99. And remember, know your potential. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum. This is the Potential Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And with me is my co-host and the maestro himself, Taylor Sokol. How are we doing, Taylor? Oh, I am fantastic. And you are an amazing conductor yourself, of course. So thank you. It's a shame it's a podcast at times because you just see us acting like idiots on camera. But uh, yeah, man, it's uh, good to be back. Uh, how have you been? I'm good, man. I just spent, uh, I've been doing... These are kind of like spread out over usually every four or five weeks or so, but um, 
few friends of mine have been getting together up in the high desert. Uh, we all know we've been really safe with yeah. quarantine. We're, we're people that wear masks. We don't go out a lot, et cetera, et cetera. And we've been doing these kind of like back patio, uh, kind of like wine and dine nights where, we, um, as I said, a few weeks ago, my friend gets to kind of try out making little cocktails and stuff. And so this time we did, it was Italian theme. We did wine uh, tasting and we did okay. Italian food and it was, it was delicious. Um, no, but that's so awesome. You need that kind of stuff. I mean, obviously everyone out there, we know it's still tough now because we're, you know, we need to be quarantining and we're not really still doing the group thing, which you know, but it's nice that you can do it because you've all been safe and you can have a little bit of normalcy. Plus, it's kind of exciting to go up in the, sounds very uh, biblical in the high desert, you know, it's like, I like <laughs> yeah. it. The high, well, yeah, it's, it, it is like you have to go up. It's like you're on your way up to the mountains. And actually, if okay. you were to continue on, it would be the road you would take uh, about two and a half hours more to get to Las Vegas. But um yeah, I mean, uh, you know, this time we've just been in this for so long and sometimes you just need a little bit of a, you need a break, you need to get out, you need to not just be sitting at home all the time. And funny enough, by the time that this episode will air, yes, um, I'll be in your humble abode. Yes, I am coming to visit you. Yeah, I'm really pumped. We, uh, we decided uh, gonna have, I'm going to have a little bit of a, time away from uh, my well, family's going to the beach and uh, um, so I have the house to myself home alone uh, trademark uh, and so we're very excited because uh, you're going to be there uh, so we decided we'd do like a fun little lads trip Chris is going to be visiting me from California all the way in Pittsburgh and we just have a couple days to finally actually reunite last time I saw you would have to be was it probably what November December that was February Feb- sorry February uh, right. Yeah, it was February, it so it's been a quick little a- little New York uh, weekend. But um, yeah. yeah, I'm just excited to kind of you know not see the same uh, same walls every day, the same same faces. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's as I said, it's nice to be in a safe place. It's nice to be in a comfortable place. But you know, it's still still wanting to enjoy summer. So uh, I'm excited to come out and visit you a few days just relaxing and uh it'll be exciting too because it means that we get to uh record some fun things coming up on the podcast which will not spoil a, now but no, uh, but that'll be officially the first time we actually can record a podcast in front in of the same other. room yeah that'll, <laughs> so be, that'll, uh, that'll be fun if you're wondering how crisp it'll it's going to be amazing the sound of that but yeah i'm excited about that and it's been uh been preparing for your arrival this whole time and just everything's good so i expect it to be spick and span um but speaking of sound I think something that uh, most people love on this planet are movies. Uh, we love going to the, the theater. We love going to see cinema. We love to see films. And often, apart from the actual footage itself, the actors, the costumes, the, the action, all that, something we always love is the music. The music is its own icon in itself. And so we thought it would be fun today to talk about movie scores and Absolutely. how composers are often the final chapter of a movie and how it almost transforms the movie into a whole new level of entertainment. And we're excited because today we have a guest with us to talk about music scores, don't we, Taylor? Yes, we do, Chris. Uh, Today's guest, a mutual friend of ours, we both met him at different parts of our careers and our travels, uh, Mr. Jordan Peterson. Very excited to have him on on here. He's uh, been a a performer, live performer of, uh, of singer and a piano player. Uh, almost a piano vir- virtuoso, I would say. He's been 
performing since he was young and he's been working on cruise ships and now most recently um not currently now obviously but uh for the last several years he's had the privilege and pleasure of working down in one of disney's properties uh disney boardwalk an awesome piano bar called jelly rolls not like that is as a real place uh but he is a has a passion music and we thought it'd be cool to have him on today and just kind of have uh, us all kind of nerd and geek out about you know scores and the amazing music of cinema so we're yeah really excited so to have him uh, today. we're excited to have him on and so let's get to our conversation on music scores with jordan peterson And hey, we are here very excited to introduce uh, a fun guest that's coming on today to have a little fun with us in our quest to aspire to more nerdum and all the questions that we think about. Uh, please welcome today, I'm very excited, a good friend of mine who has traveled the world performing uh, with his amazing uh, tickling of the ivories, his amazing voice, and he's been most recently the resident performer at Jelly Rolls Piano Bar in Disney Boardwalk. Please welcome everyone, Jordan Peterson. Woo! <laughs> What's up, Jordan? How are we doing? I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me. I've I've been a a loyal fan uh, for a little bit. I've listened to a, several of your podcasts, so I, I'm really enjoying what you guys are doing. Thanks for you're, having me. You're the one who keeps putting them on repeat. That's why our numbers are so high. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, maybe. So. <laughs> That's the secret. That's, you got to find those. We loopholes. have a fan. <laughs> yes, we've got one. No, thank you. Yeah, we. Um, since it started, I know a um, little bit of backstory. Jordan, um, we both, Chris, you, you, you know, you know of Jordan. Yeah, we we crossed over, of course, on the good old Celebrity Century many nice. many years ago. Um, I don't remember exactly how long of our contract we were on the same ship together for. I mean, yeah, I, I remember, I remember, that, that I remember you being doesn't exist anymore. Doesn't it's, exist it's, anymore. It's on to a new company, but I do remember you playing piano on the ship at some point. But I don't remember how long you were on whether it was crossover of my period. Cause of course I came a few months after Taylor had gone on the ship. So at some point there was some we crossed paths. I'm sure we crossed at some paths point, at yeah. some point yeah. across as you do. And of course. And of course, Jordan, I met, I'd met you um, would be maybe, maybe two years later um, on the celebrity millennium. And okay. I think, mm. and you had, I don't think you had started. I think you, you had just got on board um, because I met your then girlfriend now wife uh, yes. Melissa, yeah uh, we had met and so i was working with her and that's how we met and then I, another the other time we had worked together was when you came on for charter cruising i believe oh, it was yes yes so <laughs> um so yeah so we've known you for about several years now so it's been great cost pass and I've had, I've had the pleasure of getting to see you perform at jelly rolls in uh, disney boardwalk several times yeah that was a good yeah you we've had some good good times that, on the ship that makes me jelly rolls, so. that makes me pretty jelly <laughs> that I have not seen you at Jelly Rolls, but um, which, which one day you will have to. Which, one day I will. Now that I know you work it's, there, it's a lot of um, fun. If, if we ever get back to normal, <laughs> yeah. Yes. If life ever gets back to normal, once once again, as we like to say often on our podcast, we're still in a pandemic, so wear your mask, please, and wash your hands and keep your distance. Um, I guess before we kind of go into our main topic, I'd like to just ask, uh, what kind of inspired you? Got you into playing piano in the first place? What got you into music? If there was something specifically, um, well, I I always liked music. I guess um, you know I was I was singing since I was there's like videos of me singing "You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog" when I was like two mm. years old or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but so I always liked music. But I 
really my mom is what is the one who encouraged me to go to that very first um, piano lesson. And ever since then, I basically just, I loved it. So that's, that's my favorite thing now. That's all I do. And it's a very, you know, amazing skill. I always say piano players, it's, it's a very unique skill. Something that I always look back and if it's one of those, uh, what's something you wish you could have changed from your childhood? And I always say, I wish that I'd chosen piano instead of clarinet. That's what I mine, yeah, mine would have been that turkey sandwich that was old. But anyway, that's a different story. That's a different story. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're really excited to have you on here today. And because I know that obviously all three of us here in different capacities, we share one big thing is, of course, uh, our love of movies and specifically mm -hmm. music. And I think we can all agree that when it comes to a movie, a movie, the a movie is almost nothing. A good portion of that movie uh, can be made or broken by its music, by the the score, by the instrumentals. And yeah. uh, it's just amazing that we have such a history of uh, movies out there. And of course, there's all these iconic things, but it's, it's just amazing the power of what a score can do and what the composer can do uh, with that movie. And um, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I, mean, I was gonna. I was gonna say. I, I don't want to 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 derail this right off the bat because I know we're talking oh. about like film scores. Mm -hmm. But it. Re I was reminded of you guys' very first episode, the Jim Carrey episode. <laughs> and um, when I was when I was in high school, I had a playlist of just songs from Jim Carrey movies because for some reason I feel like they always have the best songs and a lot of my favorite songs I just remember from Jim Carrey movies. So not only do the, the film scores make a difference, but I think the song selections, the soundtrack itself as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny you point. say that. That's how I am though. <laughs> if you look at my playlist of anything, it's the most eclectic thing ever is most of my music is inspired because I heard it in a movie and it could just yeah. be like, I know that artist by one song and you're, you're absolutely right. Like with like a lot of those soundtracks and <laughs> it was like, I would just fall in love with the music based on the movie because it would bring me back every time I heard it. Um, oh, yeah, the memory's always there. And, you know, I always think of one, for example, I think of is uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. You know, there's the great Aerosmith, uh, Aerosmith song. Yes, and yeah, I yeah, always like think of Dude Looks Like a Lady. And every time I hear that song, I always just think of him Mrs. vacuuming and, and, you know, and him vacuuming <laughs> and doing that. And but it, that does bring a good point is that often movies probably more for a montage sake or something that relates to maybe a, a, a dance sequence or something will have an actual already recorded song from another group. And then on top of that, there will be the actual film score. Um, or of course there's tons of movies that just have a score throughout. There's no yeah. really additional music, but it is interesting that I think a lot of people when they go, probably the general public, when they would go see a movie, they probably don't really understand that often the music score is one of the last components added to a film. Uh, often yes. the film has been completely shot and is in the process of editing. And, you know, at some point during that whole process, the composer has been given, this is the plot. This is the script. Here's some small sequences of footage we can show you. And then it's their job to come up with a complete original score you know themes for different characters for different uh scenes and then that all gets mixed in in the editing and, the, and for the final product and sometimes you think of some big movies you're like that that almost seems baffling to me that like it was planned it was all pre-planned like they had this from the some movies are yeah. just so smooth with how they edit transitions or 
like big battle sequences or you know these moments that really uh, get you emoting and it's all an aftermath the, of yeah. you know it's all um, the music <laughs> it's the music so i guess uh let's i wanted to ask if if you've had any knowledge of this being that you are a piano player and i think it, it takes a little bit of that knowledge to understand composing if you've composed yourself anything original um where's the challenge when it comes to okay i have to come up with something original that's not been done and finding a theme finding something like have you had any experience with anything like that even if it's just for a pop music kind of situation i've written i've it's actually been a while since i've written music but um uh, i haven't in a while but i know how hard it is you know to come up with ideas i'm terrible at lyrics but i um even even the music it's sometimes it comes to you but a lot of times it takes a long time so i'm i was honestly amazed when i found out how short of a time a lot of composers have to add the music i think i watched i can't remember what documentary it was but i think it was an interview with a bunch of composers and i i i want to say they had like maybe two weeks or something to write and record uh, all of the all of the music and i was amazed uh, two weeks that's yeah seems insane i mean yeah i that that might be wrong but that's the I number mean, that's I, coming I imagine in my head maybe I feel like it's a matter of weeks yeah matter of weeks and i think it's also yeah. because the studio even if they want amazing quality they probably only want to pay for so many days of recording because they're paying yeah full union prices for a full orchestra mm-hmm. for multiple days and so I bet it's very, you know, clipped time and we have to get it in this period of time. But I was thinking about this today before this, we did this episode. It was like, I, you see a lot of these documentaries behind the scenes on, uh, you watch on DVDs or on YouTube and often these composers, even, even the best of the best, it's, it's just a piano theme that they come up with. They'll think mm-hmm. of just because that's what they're playing with this piano. And then how that, transforms to be orchestrated into a 50 60 70 piece orchestra that's where really to me is the magic of (laughs) expanding something from a little like this was the concept and here we are the final product i mean you look at and we of course we're gonna not how could we not mention you know john williams in this episode but a lot of his scores for those a lot of those big kind of blockbuster movies i mean they're huge huge orchestras they're they're you know yeah expansive and massive and it's a lot of horns and a lot of you know you always feel very heroic in a way when you listen to his music movies it's very um yeah sorry taylor were you gonna say something no go for it i I was i was i was taking a breath that i i was thinking uh no i was just gonna jump in and say and we talked a little bit about john williams earlier in one of our previous episodes about obviously jaws is one of those big films that what's interesting about some of these scores is they they tell a story but they're almost the character it's a care it's a another oh, extension yes. of the movie itself it's like a whole other character it just it invokes such a feeling that that when you're watching the movie it just sticks with you and it's amazing some of those scores that just stick with you years to come and you're like that forever like the jaws theme forever yeah. we hear that and it's associated with a shark and it's like you know well, john will- you- yeah yeah, Star Wars. John Williams is the is the master of of that. You know, like Grumble linking linking a theme to a certain character. That's kind of like oh, yes. his big thing. He's you you can his his themes are just the most memorable. You can you can hum Princess Leia's theme. You can hum mm-hmm. Yoda's theme. 
you can hum prop i would say raise theme even by now you know um and i like what the they're new, all just the, so catchy they are very catchy and i think a lot of the new films is he's had you know what a rarity first off to have one composer compose nine films over the span of you know like how many decades and yeah. remembering all those details and then getting to create some new stuff because there's new characters but I think some of the fun has been seeing him kind of intertwine new themes with old themes in yes. very new ways. And it's almost like, man, he's, he's, that's okay. We all recognize that theme, but he's doing it in a very new way combining with Kylo's theme or this theme. And it's like, it's, it's quite incredible, but yeah, I think music, music can be its own character. It can be a theme for a character, but it also can be uh, highly emotional. It, it can get you, music can get you to a place where you're like it really caps that moment where this is where most audiences are going to now ball their eyes out because yeah. there's a moment on screen and this music hits this note and then it's just like you're gone or tension and fear i mean i love um one of my favorite scores is the score from alien and a lot of that Ooh. it's just it just mm -hmm. it's mysterious it's weird it's you know kind of futuristic i guess in a way but it's very simple and then at times that it's, one i think it's I um because i forgot keep talking was, but I'll sorry just, now I'll, i'm putting you someone, on the spot now someone will google well while you're looking that up i mean i'm thinking about some like one of the some of the themes that really gotten to me and um some of like the some of the modern like jerry modern, goldsmith Okay. <laughs> okay. There you go. Yeah. There we go. It's very very atmospheric, though. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. But some of these some of these um composers, like a lot of the, even the the Disney films, these Disney animated mm -hmm. films, such. I was just thinking the other day. I was thinking about like the Lion King movies, mm -hmm. and that just that just washes over you that feeling, just this very majestic and like that pulse for a, for a kid's movie, you know, like the, like, like the wildebeest scene, <laughs> you know, it's just like this, like, really well, think, like, think, yeah. of, think of it. That's another comparison of having two stylistically, very different types of composing. You have yeah. Hans Zimmer who has gone on to do these really interesting, like almost metallic kind of like, especially with the dark Knight trilogy inception, mm -hmm. his later films have gone very, he has a very unique style. It's kind of, to me, let's take what John Williams did really well, but make it modern and make it a little more uh, grounded, I guess. And then you have Elton John making these songs that are all mostly upbeat, peppy. And <laughs> it is a movie that combines the two to have, you have those dark haunted moments of the score. And then it's also very beautiful. I mean, that, that, after spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the Lion King by now, what's wrong with you? But well, also, uh, the plot's a Shakespearean play, so it's been oh, yeah, <laughs> yes, it's, it's been, been a, a tale told many times before. Yes. But that, that whole moment when you know, after the big battle's kind of done and Scar's defeated and it's starting to rain, that like simple guitar, uh, similar to what he uses in Gladiator, it's just like it's beautiful, and oh, then it Gladiator. goes into you have this the melody of, of Simba climbing the of pride rock and then it's like oh my gosh there it is and then go right into elton john's song and you're like you're like this is amazing this is I feel, you know. 
I feel like I'm so biased towards Elton John being a piano player and singer that I haven't given Hans Zimmer enough credit for all the work that he did on The Lion King. And now it makes me want to go rewatch that and, and pay attention to it's really pay attention to all of his stuff. It's one yeah. of his earlier films. I mean, yeah. I, think, I think Hans Zimmer really started to get more of a, if, if you will, a bit of the, the, the more popular uh, composer club, I think a little couple years past that maybe more yeah, into right. gladiator and then of course especially the dark knight trilogy yeah. really started and, he, and he's done a lot of great movies since but he's he definitely no, kind of more no, of a don't, no, could, no sorry i was like a little more of an unknown ish you know yeah. although he'd done some stuff but you know what's the interesting thing about hans zimmer he does not read music really wow. i didn't know that if you uh for those listening there's a great it's a it's a part documentary, part concert of Hans Zimmer music. It's a concert I think he does somewhere in like Sweden or something. And it's all his music and it's, you know, from different themes of, of movies he's done. But it's a lot of in depth of how he does his process and he doesn't read music. It's yeah, all like- it's all in his head. I'd like to see how he composes if he has like a, a, a scribe or if he has like, yeah, you would you imagine like, well, you'd have to have something written down yeah. so that your orchestras can, but I think he's also one that started to dabble in kind of use of the computer to play with, yeah. um, you know, sound effects and things that equate to this kind of mystery fantasy. Like I love that uh, in the dark night, you have like again it's just a very simple theme but that kind of first idea of what we think the joker's theme is it's a kind of just like that long drawn out kind of mm-hmm. like cello violin sound yeah. and it just grows and grows and grows on paper it must look very simple but it's the use of how he plays with um synthesizers i guess is kind of i think how some of that comes about um, he probably creates more of like a mood rather than like yeah, a, it's, a, it's a, a melody mood. like John Williams would yeah, do. Yeah, you're, you're not going to remember that as like a, oh, I yeah, but you'll hear yeah. it and go, okay. Yeah, Even though, dun, yeah. dun, dun. <laughs> you're like, okay, that's Batman. Batman's going, yeah. he's out. He's <laughs> yeah, off to attack, yeah. you know? So, But it's that amazing collaboration then you get hand in hand with these composers and these directors. I mean, look at Hans Zimmer, not just the Dark Knight trilogy, but um, with Christopher Nolan's Interstellar and Dunkirk, mm-hmm. you know? And so obviously John Williams, well, he's got, he's got some of the powerhouse, you know, creators with Lucas and Spielberg or Spielberg yeah. more so. So it's like, it's amazing. The dynamic that I yeah, think the, James, James Cameron has used yes. uh, James Newton Howard a lot. Yeah. Um, Tim Burton and Danny Elfman. Tim Burton and Danny uh, yeah. Elfman. It's just something mm-hmm. about that. It's just, they, they, how that had to come about to be like, and then it's like their other go-to person. Cause they just, they, they recognize the theme, but it's like, it is you like you, you definitely each composer has a distinctive style. Each song is going to be different or each score is going to be different, but it's amazing that style. It's like, Oh, that Burton Elfman. It's like, yep, that's Danny Elfman. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's something unique about how they've just developed this, but they're still creating this magic over to still to this day. It's, it's amazing. Blows my mind. And perhaps when you said earlier that sometimes they maybe only get, like two weeks to maybe put everything together. I think some of these composer director duos that have worked on multiple projects, they maybe have a vibe that comes off that they just, they know exactly what needs to be done to to get that score. Right. And like, you know, okay, look at Danny Elfman. I think Danny Elfman is, is, uh, you you can put him a little bit more in the almost like cookie character kind of interesting because he's very, 
he does a lot of funny like almost circus like bizarre like yeah. music but yeah he's got a lot of a lot of his scores are are beautiful but yeah it's I like hauntingly he, beautiful he, hauntingly beautiful and <laughs> yeah, he fits yeah. tim burton's vision really well yes i think yeah. he 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 knows how to portray when it, when it needs to be bouncy and weird and then when it needs to be subdued and haunted yeah. um yeah. i mean I he's like gone tim- on to do so much and i am also a big fan of wango boingo so i love his yeah music, i you know I went and tried to listen to Oingo Boingo's very first album, and all I hear is just Jack Skellington singing, and it's all I can I mean, picture yeah. in my head. That's 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 exactly <laughs> what it is. Um, I actually just it was just a few weeks ago. It was like another round of Facebook finding out that Danny Elfman only sang Jack, and that Chris Sarandon, who's Prince Humperdinck in The Princess Bride, was the voice of Jack. And people were like, "What?" Even my dad didn't know that. Because like, well, it sounds so close, I do, because I'm a... They do sound very close. Yeah. <laughs> nerd. Because I'm a nerd. But, um, <laughs> we need to add a sound effect for that one. <laughs> yeah. But another, another score I really love of Danny Elfman's, because as we talked kind of about this, and we'll probably talk about this in the future with more comic book movies, I think his Spider-Man score was a huge, like, this is what superhero scores are going to be like to come. I thought... Yeah. Uh, that theme for Spider-Man was like really well done. And I thought the music in that was really handled well. I actually only, only found out that he did that score like maybe a couple weeks ago. Me and Melissa, mm-hmm. my wife, were, um, were watching it. And I was thinking during the opening sequence, I was like, this music is really, really good. And then I looked it up and I was like, this is Danny Elfman. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know. Um, but yeah, it is really good. It well, is really good music. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, look at before that, I mean, you know, you got the, um, with Batman. The Batman you know? theme. So, yeah, Elfman, I think he kind of did set the bar for what superhero, like a superhero movie mm-hmm. should be about. And like, as you're saying, Spider-Man, like, oh, crap, I'm thinking, oh, what about the the OG Batman, you know, with, with obviously Tim Burton himself right there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's that, like, I will never think of Spider-Man other than the original with Sam Raimi and Elfman, just that, dun, 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 dun. it's just that, that whole, the whole feel like you get, like, yeah. you feel like you're a superhero. You just want to like shoot some webs and, you know, yeah. run around. <laughs> you want to know who I am? You really want to know? <laughs> I also love, there's something about film scores. And I think it's, this is, this is them up to the director and how they decide where to use certain music, where to, you know, mm-hmm. keep it all in within the edit of the film. But, uh, the idea also of silence when music is used and when music is not used and a good example of that something I've always really admired about these films because also it's one of my favorite franchises of all time but I love how Peter Jackson would purposely have all music shut off the moment a battle actually happened so there'd be a lot of yeah. build up music by the wonderful score by Howard Shore uh, who did all the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit films as well. And every time there'd be a lot of buildup and this sort of like, you know, dun, 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 dun. And as, our, as the two sides are running towards each other, the moment one would strike, music was off. And it was just battle sounds and just chaos. I thought it really, really added cool. the, it really added that level of like, Okay, you know, when you really fight in a war, there's no, like, music going on. But I, I know we're talking specifically about movies, uh, but just jumping off real quick that, it's kind of very similar to what they did like in Game of Thrones where all these big action sequences, there's no music 
to mm-hmm. dramatize. It's like you're in the heart and thick of that. And it's a lot of those, like, I think about anything, like um, going to like Save It Bribe Ryan, you know, that first 15 minutes, right when they get, once they hit the battlefield, it's like just pure, pure war. And it's just, um, and then you, you don't need this, and you're right, you don't need that score to, to invoke an emotion because you're, you're in the heart of that action sequence or whatever. Mm-hmm. It needs to be loud. It's already loud. It needs to be quiet yeah. and subdued. It is. So that is a smart choice because then it because again that, and then you know you'll get you'll get some kind of theme as an aftermath for you know uh, what happens after or you know or if there's a key moment within a battle that is a very iconic scene and then yeah. it's like all right um, like you know there's kind of they have a big fight scene um, at the at near the end of the Return of the King again. Spoiler: If you haven't seen the movies by now, shame on you. <laughs> also, the books um, have been out for a while. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, there you're seeing we're seeing two different sides. We're seeing we're seeing like kind of the last stand of of men and and Gandalf and against the orcs. While hopefully Frodo's finally going to destroy the ring, and we're getting two very different themes. And there's a part where Aragorn almost is about to be crushed to death. And we get this really haunted, like high pitched singing, and then you know, and it keeps going back and forth, and it's, I mean, it's, it's incredible. But I do love the use of music and the use of uh, how it plays into, it, it gets you pumped, but then it, it can all of a sudden shock you when you're like, oh. But even like uh, sometimes music is used to make that gasp. It's you know, you'll get a big theme that's come, you know, the bump, a bump, a bump, a you know the classic i mean i, yeah, I look like at I think space about, odyssey like yeah. i look at movie yeah. themes but you think of like when movies first started coming out i'm not really counting uh musical based movies but i think a lot of times themes back then were just kind of simple it was just background music and if, yeah. if you know it's a sci-fi movie so it's going to be kind of a sci-fi it's an action cop movies it's gonna be action music i think the old been... the old sci-fi had that was the, the theremin i was like Whoa. yeah probably <laughs> yeah i think i think it's most i think it's been more like the maybe even like the 60s on that we started to experiment with like no it's actually give like some really deep thought to what this music means and and i think today we have some you know it continues i think to amaze. In, in general like soundtracks uh, i think this music and songs in general just became much more of a focus i mean you think and when you say 60s you know i, I think of like off the, the top of my head I, it was funny i thought of the graduate and That's what, a, yeah, what, what the a, same thing yeah. what a soundtrack you know sound of garfunkel but it is instrumental it is you know you know songs and, and vocal but there's a lot of parts where it's just the theme of that is just played you know constantly and and it's that whole there the whole sound of that that duo you know, there's parts where there's no vocals at all, and you're just feeling the the melancholy mood of certain scenes. But I mean, mm. I think that kind of, I don't know why, but that kind of stuck at me. Like all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, I'm thinking movie soundtracks or movie, you know, themes or something that hits me right off the bat is like one of the where it right kind of started around that yeah. time. Well, I was so, thinking, I, I was thinking also that that's a big um, movie where they used. Um, uh, pop music because the, the graduate is big because of Simon and Garfunkel, you yeah. know, um, like a uh, sound of silence. And I think Mrs. Mm-hmm. Robinson, those yeah, are all definitely. big on that movie. So that's what I think of when I, when I think of that too. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I think of themes that just pop out at me. Like one, I, I, it's, I, there's probably other moments of the movie that I can remember, or if I see it, I'd be like, Oh, that's it. But the one that always sticks with me is I love in the Patriot 
there's that yes. theme of like it's like the haunted kind of like his memory kind of it's that and it always plays very kind of quietly in the background and you get the sense of like he's haunted by his past because of that really messed up battle he had when he had to go kill a bunch of the french guys i think or the british yeah. or whatever it was yeah. and that's why he that's why he's put all his weapons away he doesn't want to fight anymore because of his haunted past the use of that throughout that film is really yeah, we, interesting we may not be historically accurate in this podcast just you know we're <laughs> We don't know all the facts, but we have we never claimed to try. <laughs> oh man, um, yeah. I gotta but, take. Uh, I gotta take one second. My computer. Oh. my computer's gonna die. Sorry, I gotta plug it in. Okay. Well, how about oh, no, this? By all means. Well, that's maybe a perfect time to take a break. We'll take a quick break, and <laughs> when we come back, we're gonna talk more about our favorite scores and composers. <laughs> we'll be right back. During this time of uncertainty, panic, and boredom. New talents are redefining what makes a great soundtrack. Act now, and you can be the proud owner of memorable movie soundtracks, Redux. Enjoy these famous works of musical genius, including Billy Ray Cyrus, reimagined soundtrack, Pretty Woman, The Spin Doctors, Saturday Night Fever, Dave Matthews Band, The Patriot, Millie Vanilli, An Officer and a Gentleman. Right Said Fred, The English Patient, The Black Eyed Peas, The Graduate, Aqua, featuring Randy Newman, Toy Story, and many, many more. This collection can be yours if you act now. Buy the whole 24-disc set for the price of $69.99. And we're back. And quickly, I wanted to say that I looked it up on the break. Uh, John Williams was the composer of The Patriot. Wow. I did. Wow. I didn't know that. No wonder that theme has stuck in my head because it's something I always remember. Um, I didn't know that either. And then, Jordan, are you okay with your battery now? I'm okay. Yeah. That's a rookie mistake. Sorry, guys. And for those of you who don't know, we are, we are, we've been consistently zooming. uh, So we're, we're talking to Jordan from his humble abode all the way in Florida. I believe. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we're all on pretty, as far as we could be from each other, I'm over in Pittsburgh. We got California and Florida, so we are all over the U.S. So but we're making it work. We are. Thank God for technology. But yeah, what were you? So good to come back. We were wanting to jump off because we obviously we were kind of going off on tangents here, which is kind of what we do. Um, I got so excited about what we were talking about. I really wanted to get more into some of our favorite favorite composers or favorite scores from movies. Now, if we don't know the name of it, that's okay. Um, some of our audience will probably know because they're nerdy, uh, more nerdy than us, and that's okay. But it's just some of those, what, you know, it's just nice talking about some of your favorites. Like what for you, Jordan and Chris, some of your favorite composers or of those composers, what would be your favorite, you know, works of those? Like if you had to pick one that really stood out to you or what, like, what was the one that made you a favorite of theirs, like for, for you guys? I mean, mine is going to be like basic. It's got obviously John Williams because I'm I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I've always been a huge Star Wars fan. But welcome to the club. Even yeah, <laughs> even even branching out, you know, I I don't I don't know that there's a, a John Williams score that I haven't enjoyed. <laughs> so it's got to be him and and um like Danny Elfman would probably be number two for me. But John Williams um for sure is number one. And then I don't know if I can pick a a certain Star Wars movie. I know the favorite. I guess probably Empire Strikes Back. I mean, that's where you get Darth Vader's theme. That's where that's where you get Yoda's theme. So you know, it's 
pretty standard answer, I would say. But no. John Williams, Empire Strikes yeah. Back. But also, Duel of the Fates, you know, you can't discount Duel of the Fates. I'm from glad you brought one. that up because yes. I was going to ask if you had a specific, if there's one specific, you know, theme or song that you like the most from Star Wars. And I think, although there's a lot of beautiful music in those original films, and that's what sets up so much of the whole future to come you know yeah. that's what the themes we know the most there's just you know i i feel like if they could ever be like uh we get to keep one thing from star wars for this uh this you know time capsule to be shown six thousand years from now apart from the main theme being the title theme i would think duel of the fate should be picked because yeah. it's just so epic well now that i yeah i mean it's of of I think there's a lot of controversy, obviously, with the, the prequel trilogy. I mean, I, if the new movies come out, that's another story altogether. But you mean how the prequels were better than the new ones? Yeah, what? <laughs> I, I would have to say, though, Duel of Fates, yes, it just is so hauntingly um, melodic about that. And, but I have to up you one just because it may not be Ooh. as good as that. But I would say the prequel trilogy, I'll have to go to, yeah, upper. My, my finger, you can't see my fingers like, doing the way you got you're, you're gonna you one that's better than duel of the fates I, well if for. not comparable for that trilogy if you had to pick one other i would say battle of the heroes the fight okay one versus anakin okay that is pretty good because that definitely, i remember yeah i remember list I, I bought the cd for that before the movie came out so i have a vivid memory of listening to that oh, very nice. exact song yeah like any kind of mu- music that goes oh i'm, I'm a fan of yeah. I don't know with an epic choir i like background i think he, he definitely for that franchise for you know making music for nine films he also wrote theme for the solo film um yes most cons- i mean for a franchise that has that many films in it probably most consistent to have literally probably no bad music in all of those films yeah. like it's just yeah. yeah and that this goes to show that I don't, I don't think john williams has ever made a bad score there's something that you can go wow that was way off the mark that i can think of so yeah. um yeah, i don't think so i'd have to i guess although yeah I, i'd say john's probably just always gonna be number one because it's also a nostalgia thing i think a lot of the films that we grew up as kids really loving uh star wars indiana jones jurassic park uh home alone uh yes a lot of those films uh harry potter it's just something that you always like you said jordan good point he he has these themes that are just instantly you remember them they're memorable but another theme that i've always come to really love that was originally composed by klaus bedelt or bedell i might Mm -hmm. mispronouncing that but then hans zimmer took over um I love the music in the parts of the Caribbean movies. Yes. Um, especially yeah, the main I love theme. That. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I like that they kind of, as they went along, they kind of took different little, you know, it took a little bit of what was done before and then they kind of expanded and created some new themes. But I think Dead Man's Chest is probably, in my opinion, the crowning achievement of the music for those films, uh, especially because I loved uh Hans Zimmer's theme for you have like the theme for the crack and David Jones kind of has his own theme. Jack Sparrow kind of actually gets a new theme. That's uh, the music. And that always reminds me of a kind of drunken pirate walking around on an adventure. I mean, there's something about that music that I, I've continued to listen to constantly just on like, you know, my iPhone or whatever. And there's something about his music. As I said, 
he's been going off he's been doing this new kind of thing of uh especially the the nolan films where like i said it's this kind of almost futuristic almost electronic sounding it's different but he still has all these scores that are the kind of john williams type big boisterous blockbuster in that movie it was so great because it's very it does emote a lot of that um swashbuckling adventure Mm -hmm. of the classic and errol flynn and and so you feel like you like i hear that theme you want to get a little sword fight (laughs) just because you know (laughs) literally i mean it's very yeah it's a very fast pace it's very you know it's a very um, catchy theme. It's a very catchy theme. And yeah. um, I think what Hans did with that really uh, expanded it, made it a lot of fun. But he's done other things I really like. Um, Gladiator is a is a fun score. Yeah. Um, what, what an amazing score, especially the main theme of that movie. Wow. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that because <laughs> I, can't, I can't think of that one. I haven't seen that in a while. Well, you have. Well, the battle he has a he has the sequence of the battle in the very beginning of the film when they're fighting all the kind of like the the guys out in the forest before kind of all the bad stuff happens to our main character and that that has a lot of moments where you listen to that you kind of get pirate vibes you kind of get some of those action type vibes but it's the it's the music when he's like always dreaming of walking through the like elysium and like the wheat fields and it's like the haunted kind of again a high pitched girl kind of singing. It's all that that really yeah. speaks the imagery of that movie. That you know, I mean that film is another one I love a lot. And that was when I always remember. I always remember. Side note: Gladiator was a film I was not allowed to see because it was rated R for a certain amount of time because mm-hmm. there was violence. And I remember being I remember- jealous of kids that were allowed to go see it, and uh, then finally got to see it, and I loved it. Yeah. I uh, will have to say, John. Obviously, we're big John Williams fanboys, but the one theme for me that I mean, yes, Star Wars. I think was was one of my first. Of course, we all got to see them. We were lucky enough to all see them re-released in special edition, so we all had that experience of seeing a Star Wars film in theaters, the original. But my favorite, going off of that, has to be I really always enjoy the Indiana Jones films. The Raiders theme. Oh yes. Talk about it. How do we forget about Indiana Jones? Yeah, I, I was thinking about that. I was like, oh no, I gotta give a shout to this. I mean, think about yeah. what what's no bet one of the best adventure uh theme songs that gets you, you know, dun dun dun, dun you know. And like yeah. <laughs> I still find myself, I'm like just driving around, I'm out in like this errand. I find myself like this like humming that to myself. It's just so it's so great. It just definitely gets you in that excited, you know experience i mean he did all the all four of those films too or i want to just talk about three of them but um um <laughs> i'll talk about the word. No, i was looking up so uh, I, I i didn't want to mispronounce the last name although i might butcher yeah. it still um another composer i've really loved in the last probably decade or two i think he's really made a name for himself mm-hmm. especially with he's done a lot of disney stuff a lot of pixar stuff but michael g and chino might yes. be his name if uh most notably a lot of people the theme from up is like one of his yes. famous ones mm-hmm. but he's done a lot of stuff for the pixar films uh but he's also had a lot of action films and other hollywood stuff he's done but i think he's a newer composer that's really uh stepped up and shown his stuff i think he's got some really beautiful uh and in huge variety i think that's the thing is john williams has also done plenty of not what you would consider a, a blockbuster film or a big action film, but that's what he's known for. Hans Zimmer's also done 
smaller things, but he's known for these big movies. And I think we're getting more of a variety of, of we can do big action movies. We can do lovely kid animated movies. We can do, you know, haunted stuff. Yeah. Um, but his, his music's been really pretty. Um, he's kind of had the unfortunate task of having to fill John Williams shoes, you know, mm-hmm. cause he had to do, he did rogue one mm-hmm. and uh, he did Jurassic world, I think. So he's kind of, it seems like that's where they're going. They're, they're kind of, he's stepping into Phil John Williams shoes with the star Wars stuff. Maybe, maybe uh, big knows? shoes to fill for sure. Well, and that's going to be a, a sad day when John Williams I know. goes. I mean, what a, what a legacy. I mean, we, we could talk all day about him, but seriously, what a, what a legacy, I mean, of what he's created since, mm-hmm. since the very beginning. And still to this day, like he has continued to create such music that it's not like he's phoning in, phoning in. He's, he's kicking butt. And it's just like, he, you can feel the passion that he has for these, um, these yeah. movies that he does. Because, I mean, it's like he's, he's the actor and this, his music is, you know, his style. And it's just, it's just incredible what he does. And it's just like. It's unreal. And it's so funny that still to this day, you'll find movies that you don't realize he's done. And you're like, oh, he did that. And it could be such a, like, it doesn't have to be a blockbuster hit. I mean, everything. Yeah. I mean, obviously all of Spielberg's done and some of the movies that Spielberg hasn't, um, you know, directed himself, but he'll produce or something. Like, I believe he did the music for Hook. Um, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, or did he do Goonies? The, the theme for, I'm wondering, like. He um, might have. You know, what crazy. I always think yeah. about it's funny to me is, um, Hans Zimmer did Driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> really? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Because when I watched the documentary of his like concert, the first song they play was the theme to Driving Miss Daisy. And I was like, wait, he did that? And it was like, that was one of his first like films he did. <laughs> I was like, cool. wow, I didn't know that. Now I will say for those listening, if you're probably like, you know, gosh, you're talking a lot about guys, just a lot of guys, guys, guys. Yeah, I would say... Yet another industry that's probably been mostly dominated by uh, males. And I don't know if that's just a thing of how Hollywood's been running. But we we did last year get the, I believe, first ever female composer won for best original score for Joker. Um, I'm not even going to try to say her name because I know I will butcher it. But something I love about that score, looking at new films and kind of a new wave of what we're seeing, a, a new level of talent is she had already kind of had that main really deep cello theme composed while they were filming. So that famous scene where Joaquin Phoenix is in the bathroom and he's kind of doing that creepy dance of freedom. He did that actually to the music. Um, It's fun to let you look at the behind scenes. Todd Phillips and him had a whole other ideas they were going to do with that scene and they just couldn't figure out what to do. And then at some point, he just put the track on and then he just started kind of feeling it and dancing. And that's kind of, I think how that evolved for the rest of the film that when he was comfortable in his skin as Joker, he would start to dance like that. That score was really, really haunted. I thought that really painted a great picture of a, a very dark, gritty, not a happy Gotham. Not that Gotham's ever been a happy place in any of the movies, but you look at the difference compared to the, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin films, where it was, let's get back to the very campy style of Adam West. And a lot of that music was mm-hmm. a little more bright, a little more uh, colorful, I guess. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's very, other very female composers movie. I can think of. I, I, yeah, but go ahead. 
I remember I re, I re, I remember watching that movie and being very affected by the score. Um and uh I feel bad that I never actually went and looked looked it up and listened to it and now this this conversation is making me want to to really dive into these these scores like Gladiator and Joker mm-hmm. and really listen to them maybe out of context of the movie even just to to, to kind of absorb them and see see what they're really like, but well, I do remember watching that and, and being, yeah, it's affected by it. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's something too about um, sometimes when they. This is why I like listening to soundtracks, especially for movies I like, is that you're gonna get more of the complete picture of what the composer wanted because mm-hmm. that is their album for them to showcase all the music as a whole. Where more than often, okay, that three minute song that's track three on the album you only actually get 30 seconds of that in the movie because yeah. it, it cuts to another yeah. scene or you know so that I've, I've noticed that a lot is sometimes even with a movie like star wars where there's you know the whole movie is a lot of music those those movies are not often built in silence there's a lot of background music because it is kind of the fantasy you know sci-fi type movie there's moments where you're like, oh, well, we only really got a short part that they could include in the movie or just that theme. But then, you know, you get the whole of it on the CD. And so I think that is it is fun to sometimes listen to, okay, this is purely what the composer was thinking. Yeah. And, you know, and I I would imagine, I would imagine when making a movie and composing the music, if a composer started writing a theme, and started the preview for the director and the director was like, this is completely in the, in the wrong direction. I, I assume there would, ha- there would have to be that chat to be like, all right, we have to yeah. figure out what, what's plan B then, you know, I, I'd have to assume not everything is the, is the home run right away. Well, but, and you yeah. look at a famous instance where, you know, it, it still went that way. We talked about this. I mean, look at, look at Jaws with Spielberg. Like, I mean, John Williams, such a simple, you know, but um, and then he was like, so he's like, no, it's not, no, this is it. This is the one. And imagine if he didn't, it could have been a completely different feel of a movie. And it's like, it's these composers, you know, sticking with their, their guns of these. And he scores. never questioned him again. Never. And that's why he has been. <laughs> his... good. I mean, you look at Spielberg, Spielberg up until probably, probably post Jurassic Park. I mean, you did have at some point in there, you had Schindler's List, but he was doing kind of these big blockbuster type sci-fi yes. fantasy movies. He wasn't really into a grounded reality movie yet. He was, and all those films for the most part were John Williams scores. And he himself, it's like in a way that pairings, we talked about some pairings just really work together. It, it's, it's a give take situation because if the movie had not been a hit, then the score would not be a hit. And then yeah. their relationship. So like John Williams, I mean, at that point, Let's see. Wasn't you said Jaws was seventy five? Yes. And Star Wars was seventy seven. Seventy seven. So you know, rightfully so. <laughs> at that time, he's like on it. Yeah. It. So we got we, we we're definitely nerds. We we know our, we know our dates when they count. When <laughs> That's they count. the one date I know. If the Magna one Carta. Date I know, it's forget Star it. Star Wars. I got this. <laughs> yeah. What's the what's the tenth act on the the Bill of Rights? No clue. <laughs> nope, but I'm gonna tell you what color Jabba's skin was in the third frame of the. <laughs> no. Um, 
<laughs> Seriously. Um, uh, that's depressingly true. I will say, though, okay, <laughs> talking about Star Wars for a minute here. Um, I, I liked uh, watching the... We mentioned about this on our uh, This Is The Way episode, uh, but watching the behind the scenes of the music being made for the mandalorian i love cool, that yeah. again it was kind of a let's let's play let's take some risks let's let's be creative because we're on these alien planet worlds we're not on a you know human we're not on earth so i like seeing these kind of experimentation methods happening and composing as well i feel um, like that guy deserves a shout out too that's another hard to pronounce name what is it ludwig Gorenson? ludwig that, yeah the, uh, the mandalorian mm-hmm. That theme, I think I like the Mandalorian. I, I know I said that Michael Giacchino is kind of stepping up to take um, John Williams' uh, place, but I think I like the Mandalorian better than probably the music I heard in Rogue One or or even Solo. I think um, I really like uh, I really like I love the theme to the Mandalorian. Yeah, I really do. Well, you know what? the tough part about the Rogue One theme which I this I understand your point of he's kind of had the pressure of maybe becoming like the next John Williams was I remember the first time I saw it and there was no scroll which was already like oh no scroll okay yeah, this yeah, is a different do, you know we're, we're in a different scroll. situation now but it was like it was like how can we take the main Star Wars theme but just make it like its cousin or something it, yeah. it was it was so like obvious that they were like that they were like, we want the Star Wars main title theme, but it can't be the main title that John Williams has yeah. made. So something with fanfare and, and horns, but similar, but not the same. I mean, it's and a challenge because it, it's, it's the like, first it was like, okay, Star Wars movie. First non, was, yeah. non-linear. So yeah, challenge. Um, but I think the Mandalorian had the, a little more of the grace to be like, this is its own thing. We're not, we're not, this is a part of the Star Wars universe, but we're not part of these movies. So just you do what you want to do and that theme yeah. the music and all that was was really cool well it's a proper but, like it's a proper you know the space western as kind of yeah. you know the idea was with originally kind of part of what you know lucas was doing originally was you know i mean but his is a lot of the Arthurian legend and things like this but this is like this is a western in space and it does evoke that theme like just like the music that's the the music is the mandalorian the main character it's like its own so it's like you just get it's a it's a good example of like less is more that score because mm-hmm. um, I'm kind of like nerding out a little bit about the. You're in the right score. place. That's perfect. I'm on the right podcast for that. I, I it's very memorable. I, I'll never forget like the it's like the first appearance of the Mandalorian and you hear that that yeah. It's 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 those type of moments that make it a score memorable. I think that's what really makes it. But but also he um, Ludwig Göransson also uh, goes into the the more bombastic like uh horn section like so he really i think he found the perfect blend of the a little bit experimental but also um you know the big the big horns yeah. a little bit john williams-esque stuff for the mandalorian so that was that was very cool so big shout out to to him for the the mandalorian and i did want to uh i guess uh just bring up because i thought it was uh very well handled throughout all the films but especially with the final film uh, talking about Alan Silvestri and his music for the Avengers films, uh, mm-hmm. especially when it came to Endgame. I think the use of all these themes that we've been used to the last, you know, 10 years. And uh, I I still listen to the Portal song a lot because it still gives me 
a lot of chills because I remember that scene just being the coolest thing yeah. ever, 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 ever. Um, <laughs> but he's another guy who's had a very uh, sporadic career. But I think those those yeah. I mean, uh, look for Forrest Gump, Back to the Future yeah, films, mm-hmm. like what what a resume. Like there. you know, you, you look, yeah, and that's the thing I always think is interesting about composers is yes, composers kind of have their style. Yes, but often you will see composers do completely different type of movies than they're than they're known for. Well, their style, like, and the sound, you know, maybe the essence, yeah. but then the movie completely different. I mean, look at uh, like you said, Danny Elfman. He's doing superhero movies to you know these creepy gothic kind of you know mm-hmm. animated flicks, and then Sylvester. He's doing the sci-fi you know you know time travel movie, and then. Um, Forrest Gump, which is completely you know different, so it's, yeah. it's amazing. It 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 shows that they they adapt just as much as the the director does over time, and you know even those on camera. It, it's a uh, it's yeah. the art continues to change, especially as I think in the last, I mean probably since the eighties has started to happen, but we we did start to invest more into using computers and using synthesizers and sound effects and uh, electronic so i think it's still it's still nice to go see a movie and it still have that kind of old school orchestra sound mm-hmm. i think that you're like all right this wasn't all just created on a computer program that makes it sound really nice it's uh, it's authentic and um yeah. i think movie scores will continue to uh, amaze us it's still i think what amazes me is to this point there's been so many films made just you know thousands upon thousands upon thousands of films and yet we still are getting incredible scores you know and uh before i have to say one more shout out to one other composer i, I was thinking about i just had to look it up real quick um mm. you know passed away several years ago now 2004 but elmer bernstein one of the one of the great composers i mean from the magnificent seven to mm. animal house to airplane all these ones like you're talking about that amazing feel of the old school style of hollywood it just he invoked that and i hope they continue to do that but it is interesting to see the future with technology what they're going to do because i feel like there has been continuing there's really becoming more of a shift now and we're kind of on the cusp you know of what's to come so oh, yeah. it's exciting it's to see what they'll do in the future yeah yeah well jordan we always love to end episodes with our guests by doing our guest questions so we're gonna ask you so we have 10 questions for you uh lightning round kind of situation not things you think about and they're not like hard questions they're things about you so i will start us off taylor so all right here we go guest questions number one what's your favorite movie Star Wars, all of them. I don't know what. Good choice. I'm just going to say Star Wars. Leave it at that. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, Number two, what's your favorite TV series? Man, that's hard. Um, (laughs) This... I'm terrible at rapid fire, by the way. <laughs> That's okay. It's not your publicist rapid. didn't warn us. <laughs> my the first thing that's coming to my head is I'm embarrassed because it's the wrong answer. It's not the answer I want to give, but it's probably Law and Order, only because Law and Order SVU because I will watch it with my wife all the time, that's, and that's kind of our thing. So that's all right. Law no and Order SVU here. gives me happiness. No there judging here. <laughs> Number three, what's your favorite video game or video game series? 
Um, I I would probably say Grand Theft Auto. All, all of the right. Grand Theft Auto series. I like Rockstar games, basically. There you go. Um, number four would be what was your favorite style of uh, or no, what was your favorite um artist or favorite band? Elton John, probably. Nice. Yeah, for sure. Uh, n- number five. What's your favorite place you've traveled? Um, Bermuda. Oh, very nice. I love Bermuda. And number six. I want to give multiple oh. answers to some of these. So yeah. <laughs> I wish I could give multiple answers. Um, what um, number six would be, what inspired you or what, what, what is your biggest inspiration that has led you to where you are today? Um, I'm going to have to say, I, I mean, as far as a, a musical artist, I'd have to say Elton John again. But if there's like a, a person, it would probably just be my family. You know, my, mm. my parents have been the biggest supporters, biggest. In- no, so you're, as you're saying, since you first tickled the ivories as you, yeah. Yeah, as a young all, lad. Been, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number seven. What's the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I've ever received is probably from my, um, my voice teacher, Dr. White. Uh, from University of Nebraska Kearney, he said, success is not measured by perfection. It's measured by progress. Very nice. I like that. I, I like that. that. Oh, this is a good one because uh, we, we... This will have, be tough. This will be... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, number eight, what is your nerdy level on a scale of one to ten? One being you've seen Star Wars and number ten, you speak Wookiee. <laughs> one, one out of ten, one to ten, what's your nerd level? Well, because since I've I've seen I feel like I've seen a lot of true nerds in action listening to, to podcasts like your guys's, so I'm not going to put myself at a ten, but I would give myself a solid six or seven for sure. Nice. Okay. Uh, number nine. What is your guilty pleasure, or a guilty pleasure you have? Ooh, um, disco. I love oh, disco. All right. And I'm not, well, I, it's not really, it's just a pleasure. It's not a guilty pleasure. It's just a pleasure. That's okay. I love disco. I'm not ashamed. <laughs> no, that's all right. Uh, I like it. And uh, last but not least now, obviously you, you, you listen to our podcast, you know, we do like impressions and things like that. So every guest we have, um, we want you to give us your best impression. It doesn't have to be anyone in particular. Of anybody. The best impression you can do. If you have one. Yeah. Um, a line or two of anybody. I feel. Can I try? Can I try one word of of SpongeBob SquarePants? Sure. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best. There you go, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good. Sometimes that's all that's you terrible. need. Sometimes that's all. Terrible. Sometimes that's you know less is more. Um. It's my well, thank you so much, Jordan. <laughs> this was a lot of fun. Thank you for coming on today. Um. Is there any uh, social media or website that you would like to maybe put out there that people can follow you? Let me see videos. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, um, if you're into that kind of thing, uh, I do. Since since my job is currently shut down right now, um, all of us piano players where I work at Jelly Rolls are doing these uh, kind of couch concerts. We all have our own name for them. Mine are called couch concerts, and I do mine every Wednesday and Sunday at uh, 8 p.m. It's all requests. So. Maybe you can request some John Williams if you want. Um, And you can find that on my Facebook page. It's Jordan Michael Peterson. Michael is spelled M-I-C-H-E-A-L. 
for some reason. And um, uh, my Instagram is JordanMP underscore music. So you can find me there. Awesome. Yeah, fantastic. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us, having fun with us. And uh, and now you'll be excited because you're going to be on one of these episodes. You'll be able to listen in. I'll be very excited. <laughs> I probably won't listen to it. I'll be too. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I won't, he'll be too busy. Like so. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.